This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's Wednesday, the 17th of August, and it's just gone past 6 a.m. Of course, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Xiaoning together with Keith Kam and a Salamat Pagi to everyone that's listening to us. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's we made it through half the week. Uh, it's been quite an exciting week. I think lots of government announcements, lots of court cases, haven't they? Yeah, it's it has been exciting. I, I actually covered um, my first court case since the pandemic started. I, I must you actually say, went to court? I, I, went, I went to court. It was... It was in... Uh, um, in the Jan Duta, which the the, the Jan Duta one, the uh, the one that was related to the LCS uh, scandal, scandal. Okay. Yeah. So yes, it, I would think when you when you have uh, ordered six ships and none have arrived, <laughs> but spent six billion ringgit, yeah, it's a bit of a scandal. Yeah, heads or at got least roll. a fiasco to say the least. Yeah, it, it, I mean heads got a roll, but um, it, it was interesting to see um, other journalists there whom I haven't seen in ages, and they were like, two hey, years, you guys years. are still here." <laughs> <laughs> of course, BFM is always here to bring you all the latest news and actually we'll be covering that story later on at mm. 7.45 but at 7.15 we're going to ask whether the government is prepared to spend more on healthcare, whether we should raise that to 5% of GDP that's going to be happening with Dr. Kaur Sui King co-founder of the Malaysian Health Coalition, he's going to tell us why it's so important and at 7.30 what do we have Keith? Yeah so we are almost towards the tail end of the US corporate season and what do earnings say about the health of the US economy as well as the consumer. And for that, we're going to be asking Dave Sequeira, Chief US Market Strategist at Morningstar. Now, like we say, we bought six combat <laughs> ships, right? None have arrived after eight years. So who's accountable for this eight billion ringgit fiasco? Sorry, accountable? What's that word? I don't know. It's something strange in Malaysia. Apa itu? And what should we do to avoid this? And we're going to ask Dr. Nung Sariradi and an economist about this. And then finally in 9.15, with GDP at nine at 8.9%, woohoo, it's a fantastic number, uh, Malaysia's economic recovery seems to be on track. But what does this mean for our fixed income market? We speak to Jesse Liu, Chief Investment Officer, Fixed Income ASEAN at Principal Southeast Asia to get a gauge of this. 8.9% is actually one of the highest in ASEAN, if not the highest when I when I saw the chart that was uh, that accompanied this report. Yeah, but I'm curious to find <laughs> out what will be our final figure for the year. I think Bank Negara has not revised it upwards. A lot of headwinds we face. So we'll be asking him that. All this and more on the morning run. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. 6.07 Wednesday, the 17th of August. And you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kamu sitting in front of me and I'm Wong Shaoning. And that song was Forever Now by Cole Chisel. Now, forever now is something you shouldn't keep your anger. It shouldn't be forever. It should be just like something that you can kind of just calmly push away. Because this article from the Wall Street Journal, uh, which I picked, maybe because it resonates with me, <laughs> is the right way to vent at work. How to safely unload all the stresses and frustrations of this moment without hurting That's your so career. So, okay, so first up, I would admit, and Keith is smiling, grinning from year to year, that I am an extremely impatient person. I'm not very calm at all. I am quick to anger. I'm quick to act. I think not positive things whatsoever. Didn't help. Wasn't helped by the fact that uh, in my past career, I was a fund manager. Everything happened like you know, split second. Decisions had to be made. Tempers were f- frayed. So it's something I'm working on. But I'm not very good at it. I'm trying. But I think anger is something that we all experience at the office, in mm. our personal lives. And the question is, how do we handle it better? And I think this article tries to address it. So, Keith, 
I know your pet peeve, people parking behind you, right? That's the ultimate pet peeve. Yeah. So how I handle that is that I don't park my car all the way in. <laughs> you kind of leave your butt jutting out, right? <laughs> but when it does happen, how do you manage it? Or let's say, how do you manage this rage that is boiling inside you, right? Okay, so um, I, I used to be like you because I used to, to work in a forex trading room and that's really quite uh, highly intense. stressful. Quite intense, highly stressful. And, and it was a time when uh, smoking was apparently still allowed. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so, I remember yeah, that era, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I did inhale my fair share of secondhand smoke. But I, I used to also get, not just in the office, I also used to get extremely, extremely impatient uh, on the roads, mm. uh, especially when the traffic is really, really bad. And I don't know what clicked within me uh, over, over time, though. Age? I did I probably age, yeah. Or maybe it's Wisdom. my surname. Maybe it's Wisdom. my surname. Maybe it's my surname, which is you know. Finally, keep make, calm. <laughs> finally, it made sense, right? Your name. Yeah. So uh, I I became um, a, a lot more patient. I'm a lot more patient these days. Uh, I go by this rule that uh, you know this too shall pass. Uh, whatever you are experiencing, whether it's good or bad, uh, it's just gonna go away eventually. Mm. So mm. there's really no point to get stressed up over it. Uh, I do enjoy watching people getting stressed up because it's quite funny to see the faces and the veins bulging in their foreheads. Is that why you were looking at me this morning when I was venting about somebody <laughs> not really in tune with the processes within the office? Is it was, it? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably that, that, that was it. That was it. And I just wait for if I were to deal with somebody who is uh, at the start of a rant mm. uh, who's extremely impatient, I just wait for the weather to pass first before I address the, 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 the issue. Because generally, a lot of things in life, if you take a couple of steps back, you realise it's not really that important in the bigger yeah, scheme of things. I think COVID-19 really has reminded us mm. very little actually is that important. Yeah. Except your family, your health, and maybe your close friends. The rest, not so important. Important, but not the end of the world, right? Right. But I think this article in Wall Street Journal is useful in that venting is not necessarily bad. There is a necessity to blow off the steam because the, otherwise it just accumulates with, within you and can also be destructive. The question is how to do it in the most constructive way possible without making yourself look like the office idiot. How do you do it? Or the gossip. I don't care, I just do it. (laughs) That's terrible, I know, I know. But this article resonates with me because I was thinking, all right, what did I learn about this? You know, what did I learn about myself and what should I do going forward? And there were some useful tips, one of which is don't vent to your boss, obviously. Mm -hmm. And also choose someone that you can trust, that you know will take what you say and then kind of not judge you too much about it because they know you so well. And then be, you know, that person is willing to be that sounding board, right? So you know that I vent, 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 and and then the person's like, ah, Shaolin's always like that, I should be fine. Five minutes later, it'll be just blow over. She doesn't think any worse of me. Is there a danger that it might turn into office gossip for for For, for sure. Thing? That's why yeah. you need to choose the person that you mm. trust. So you've got to create that mini community within your office that you think when I reveal this information or I vent, they are not going to go up or down the organizational chart and pass this information that there's this code, the bro code, sister code, whatever you want to call it, that we just keep it among ourselves. Because, hey, we're all in this together, right? And usually, sometimes the person you trust has some level of empathy because maybe they feel it too. Are, are you concerned about people judging you though? I think as I get older, less. <laughs> 
I hear you. You hear me, right? That's one of the benefits of getting older. But I mean, we should still always maintain some decorum. We should be sensitive to the office environment. We shouldn't let it get the better of us, right? Because work is work. And then like you say, right? You go home and then you move on. Yeah. And then people forget. You forget too. Whatever you've been annoyed with, in that five minutes after you feel it might be the most intense. But one day, two days, three days later, you wouldn't even remember what it was all about. I, I always try to uh, take a take a uh, the the point of view of the person I'm I'm talking to to ensure mm. that you know um, it's it's sort of like a do unto others as you yeah. want others to do unto you. Exactly. So for me, I think my lesson learned is to go and make myself a cup of coffee, have a drink, maybe eat that toast, and everything will be all right. Let us know what you think. Tell us how you vent in the office if you do at all. You can WhatsApp in zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or you can of course tweet in. Our handle is at BFM Radio. We'll be back after these messages. That was I Don't Live Here Anymore by The War on Drugs. It is 6.20, Wednesday the 17th of August and you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam and I'm Wong Chowning. Now, Keith, you chose this article. Are you trying to tell us something? It's because it's from the BBC Work Live and the question is, it's a question actually, yeah. can you stay in a job for too long? I, I'm asking this because I think it kind of resonates with me because uh, in my entire working career, I've only been with uh, four... Three, three companies? Three companies. Three and companies. you work for how many decades? Am I revealing too much by using the word decades? <laughs> decades is just about right. Just yeah. about right, right? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my first job, I was there for 10 years. Uh, okay. And that was like fresh out of uh, university. Univers- university. Wasn't super high paying. I, I still remember my first salary. And this is, mind you, with... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mind sharing this with you, but it was like... Uh, Fresh out of uh, uni, mm. uh, so I was officially a graduate, and my first salary was exactly one thousand ringgit. And after I was confirmed, I got an extra seventy ringgit, so one thousand and seventy. Oh Wasn't that awesome? How long ago was this? <laughs> I, I do remember it was uh, my, my my first day at work was the day of the Tiananmen Square. So nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Okay, that was quite a while ago. It right? was quite a while ago. So one thousand and seventy ringgit, and you stayed there for ten years. I stayed there for ten years. It was. Uh, it was it was a, it was a good job. Uh, you I must had, have liked the working environment as well. Yeah, that that really played uh, a, a huge huge part of why mm. I, I stayed there so long. In fact, uh, one of the bosses that uh, I, I worked with, mm. we can literally see his house from the window of our office. Oh, he stays in the yeah, Mantun, yeah. is he, it? He just, just so you're not room. throwing eggs in his house, lah. <laughs> you still like him? Like I've, I've seen him walk out the the house during lockdown. If you, <laughs> you remember those 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 days, but yeah. Um, so now there are there are certain pros of staying at a certain job. For, for a certain period of time because it does indicate to your future employers that uh, you have taken the time to gain the experience needed. It looks great on your CV because uh, I've, I've seen, I've gone through uh, CVs of some people and, and uh, those who stay for like six months and they've been in the workforce mm. for like uh, maybe two or three years but they've held six jobs. Yes. So you tend to start questioning why do you keep changing, right? Yeah, there should be an optimum period of time Mm. And I wouldn't say that it's a hard and fast rule, but there should be a minimum optimum time. What is that minimum optimum time? I think that, it varies from career to career and also whether you're changing, mm. whether it's lateral or you know, whether you're moving vertical. Because some people just, you know, just 
change careers like I did, right? Completely. And then when you move to the next job, how long you stay? Because it could be something in the past that you've done again and again. So maybe people move a bit more. I think, so let's take a step back. When you stay for a long time, you're signaling competency, you're signaling experience, you're signaling loyalty. Those are positive things, right? But it also signals that complacency and uh, and a certain... Lack of drive, lack initiative, of drive. Yeah. taking things for granted. Yeah. So that's on the flip side, right? Okay, so, but then on the other hand, if you get a CV where the person moves every six months, what does that signal to you? It does Because you're a boss, you, you, you used to run the news team, so you get a whole surfeit of CVs coming to you. Then what, what kind of like, you know, the warning bells start ringing? There's no hard and fast rule. You can stay at a job for, uh, you are still probably, one of, the, one of the signs is that you're probably still trying to find your, your career in life. You might have uh, studied something that you didn't think was going to be uh, of, of your interest until mm. you actually went out into the working world and you suddenly realised that uh, this, this is not is, for me, This right? is where my calling is. Like, yeah. I mean, my career, I started out as a, I, I studied statistics. I have a degree in stat- statistics. I love, I love numbers. I love charts. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember people's car numbers better than I remember their names and faces. It's uh, true. <laughs> he comes, sometimes walks past me and then he gives me this glazed look. And I'm like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Yeah, uh, generally, if I don't recognize you, it's, don't it's not pers- because don't, 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 don't take it personally. I'd probably recognize your car better than <laughs> I recognize your face. <laughs> so, going back to this conversation about, like, you know, what's the optimum period of time? I think uh, there's, like I say, no hard and fast rule. But I think when you, you, you think about your own reasons for changing that job, right? So, it, it cannot be sometimes just because. Uh, I'm bored, I don't like the place and you've mm. only been there for like six months. Shouldn't you give it a better a runway? I, I also feel that it's... Or uh, is it better to just cut your losses and move on? I also feel it's, it's, a, it's a way, uh, it's how you market yourself when you go for a job interview. Say you've changed jobs like uh, five, six times but within the space But I might not even hire years. you. I might not even call you for in for an interview. That, that, is, that is true, but it really is, it really shows how you, uh, it, it really depends on the types of jobs that you've, you've, been, you've been changing. If it, if it does show a certain direction that uh, you you might be still exploring what you mm. want to do and you might be still trying to find your, 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 your footing way. in life. Yeah, And I think also another reason why you should consider moving jobs, and this is me being the money-minded person, sometimes compensation does play a role in it. Yeah, And it's something that you shouldn't ignore just because you're just comfortable. And also sometimes it's not a bad thing for you to push yourself a little bit more, to take on more challenges for that extra pay. Otherwise, you really wouldn't know how far you can actually go in your <laughs> career. True. But let us know what you think you can tweet in. Our handle is at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. Up next is the 6.30am News Bulletin. And to take us there is Ready to Start by Arcade Fire. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.41, Wednesday the 17th of August and you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Shaoning together with Keith Kam and that uber, uber cool song. It's really, really Gemini good. and Leo by... Helado Negro. It's the first time I've ever heard it. And I have to say, sometimes we do pick some very, very interesting songs on BFM. Although sometimes I wonder, what is that song all about? <laughs> <laughs> so here we are all about... It's a pick and miss. Yeah, well, and miss. no, I guess we have something for everybody, right? Mm. Uh, but at this hour, we always look through all the international newspapers, portals, websites that and, and stories that have caught our eyes. So Keith, would you like to start off, please? This literally happened about uh, three hours ago. So Joe Biden has signed sweeping tax, climate and healthcare measures into law. If you remember, this has been going on for, for some time. It went through the House of Representatives, mm. the, the Congress and, and recently 
most recently uh, at the Senate where it was deadlocked 50 to 50 and uh, the Vice President Kamala Harris had to come in and break the tie. So this has been touted as a major victory for the Demo- Democrats ahead of the November midterm elections. And uh, this is called the Inflation Reduction Act and it aims to curb inflation by reducing the deficit, lowering prescription drug prices and investing into domestic energy production while promoting clean energy solutions. That's the uh, that's the uh, 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 that, that's what they are touting it to be, la. It's a uh, bit of a mouthful for a bill, it, isn't it? And it is, I think it it's is. it's trying to do a lot of things. Uh, it will raise seven hundred thirty-seven billion dollars, authorize three hundred sixty-nine billion in spending on energy and climate change. Mm. Uh, the legislation also imposes a fifteen percent minimum tax on large corporations, but uh, individual income tax hike. Uh, in, in, Individual income taxes will be left pretty much unchanged. So it's the big corporations that will, uh, uh, well, suffer a bit. A bit, okay. A bit. <laughs> Drop only. in the ocean for them. Drop in the ocean. Uh, okay, related to this is actually uh, news coming out of Bloomberg. I'm not sure whether they broke the story or it's something available on other websites. But there was a billionaire involved in this climate bill that worked behind the scenes to get it done because the majority was extremely thin. And we had one Democrat holding out uh, Joe M- M- Manchin, of, Joe West, Manchin. Yeah, yeah. of West Virginia. He had slammed the brakes on this legislation to combat global warming again. But guess who gave him a call? Who did? Bill Gates. Nice. Nice. So Bill Gates, of course, the billionaire, uh, gave him a call and said, hey, look, you know, uh, you need to get this done. And he was also on the phone with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, whose job was it to hold together the Democratic uh, no vote to spare majority. And apparently the world's richest man felt he had to give one of the nation's most powerful lawmakers a little bit of a pep talk to get it going. So yeah, I, I'm glad this has happened. Uh, we will be following this story in terms of what the repercussions are going to be for the broader US economy. I yeah, think that's something um, that is a developing story. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the uh, corporates are going to be feeling uh, the, 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 the pinch there. But you uh, know, one sector that has escaped the wrath of uh, this bill was actually the private equity sector. Oh. So they were supposed to relook at taxation for private equity, which actually pays very little tax, but they managed to avert this bullet. Lucky them. So you can listen to some of these comments on uh, uh, the Journal podcast, for example. It was also featured on The Economist. So interesting that uh, money does buy you lobbying power in the United States, just like every other country, actually. So another story I have is, uh, well, actually, I have a question for you. What's in a name, right? Uh, well, the WHO... A lot, a lot. <laughs> well, the WHO is uh, looking to rebrand monkeypox. Uh, they want to rename it. They're asking for for suggestions. Uh, they, they want it to be not called monkeypox because it seemed to be quite a stigmatizing designation, mainly because of uh, monkeys. I mean, the story is quite quite real, like, I guess. Uh, there have been um, unsolicited attacks on, mm. on monkeys in, in Brazil, for one thing. And uh, monkeys are also always associated with uh, Africa. And it's important to know as well where this virus, the monkey, uh, monkeypox, uh, got its name. It was because of a. It was identified in monkeys who they were kept for research in Denmark in 1958. It's been around that long. Yeah. Um, and it was generally found amongst uh, rodents. Guess what? They've got some names coming up, and this is in the Singapore Straits Times. So some people have submitted names oh, like nice. Poxy Mac, Mac Pop Face, Trump Twenty Two, <laughs> M Pox. Uh, so WHO. I you were no, no. So WHO is going to actually decide this and open up the process 
to the public. So even some more technical names like OPPOZIC22 submitted by Harvard Medical School. Um, you know, I think we will be finding out what are some of the suggestions. But very quickly, staying on the US, guess who's lost her primary contest for her seat in the House of Representatives? And that's Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, yeah. I heard yeah, that. the yeah. one prominent Republican critic of Donald Trump in Congress. And she lost it to, I, I her, the name escapes me, but it was a Donald Trump pick. Yeah, well, this is the US politics for you. Uh, but that's all the international headlines we have for you. We'll be back after these messages. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.50 Wednesday, the 17th of August, and you're listening to The Morning Run. And that song was asked by the Smiths. What do you want to ask today? I love the Smiths, by the way. You do? I grew up with them, yeah. They are rather cool, aren't they? Uh, but what would you like to ask today of our political leaders? Because lots of news on Malaysian politics as usual. We have we have just so little time for that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're always any political leader. Welcome on the Breakfast Grill. Anytime, let anytime, us know. Yeah. Anytime. We have lots of questions to ask you, by the way. Yeah, don't, don't be scared. We don't, we don't bite. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> Much. But uh, first off, I think we want to talk about um, this comment. And I find it interesting. It's coming from um, the Malay Mail and it's out news apparently, well, I think a bit of sigh of relief. HR Minister, temporary fees on hiring foreign workers lifted from August 19, apparently. I mean, this has been just going on and on and on and on in every sector. SMEs, manufacturing, services, plantations, all facing significant challenges when it comes to hiring, right? They can't get locals to work for certain sectors, even if they're willing to pay more. And certain sectors, because it's got, you know, this 3D stigma attached to it, they, they can't also get foreign workers. So apparently, the HR ministry is finally listening to them. Hopefully, uh, this this solves the the problem somewhat. But um, I also want to point out the fact that the Election Commission's supplementary electoral role for July 2022 is open for review. This is important because those age 18 and over are automatically registered. Also, it's important because if you've uh, applied to change your address, you might want to check that everything is in order so that you know where to where you're supposed to vote when the uh, next election happens, which should be any time. Yeah, I think sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. right? And how easy is it to check, Keith? Just go online? Just online, the uh, e- e- uh, the Election Commission website. Okay. Um, I think there's an app as well, if I'm not mistaken. I, I do remember checking it, but uh, in, in 2018, <laughs> back... Uh, in those days. In those days where, uh, but, you know, I think um, there's a bit of a challenge here when it comes to voting because people do feel that there's a bit of apathy, like I vote and then what? Mm. You know, the what I voted for didn't materialise. Well, so, but I think it's important to for us to exercise our one constitutional right that happens every five years. Uh, it's important for us to go out there and make our little voice be heard. At least the anti-hopping law has been passed and is now uh, awaiting royal assent. So, uh that should that I hope will 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 give some confidence back into the value of the vote that you that you cast. Yeah, uh, I think also uh, what has happened in the last few days is actually just a lot of court case news. A lot of court cases. So Keith, you were there yesterday afternoon. Yeah. So uh, no, it was in the morning. Uh, this uh, the the one that I was covering was the uh, MACC charging former Navy Chief Tansri Ahmad Ramli Muhammad Noor. He was also the former MD for Bowstead Naval Shipyards. The retired admiral is facing three counts of uh, criminal breach of trust related to the literal combat ship scandal to the tune of twenty one plus. Billion. 
billion ringgit. His next hearing is on the 24th of uh, of November. I actually managed to doss, I couldn't doss stop him. He was uh, surrounded by his family members as he entered his Audi A4. And um, Which license plate you probably have memorised, but never mind. I did, yeah. It's a lot of sevens, uh, but it's another <laughs> story. But I managed to to, to stop the um, uh, his, his, his lawyer um, who said that, you know, they don't really have a strategy uh, specifically, but they're going to let the truth speak for itself. Okay, let's mm-hmm. find out. And then at 7.45, nonetheless, we're going to be talking more about that with Dr. Nungsari A. Radi. He's an economist about actually accountability when such a thing happens. And how does it happen in the first place for a fiasco to the tune of $6 billion mm-hmm. under the nose of the government? Now, um, the other thing that caught my eye is in the H morning brief, and I need some clarification on this. Because the uh, Energy and Natural... Natural Resource Minister Datu Sri Takudin Hassan said that the amount uh, in terms of the imbalance cost pass-through mechanism which is related to our electricity tariff is going to rise from 7 billion ringgit to 20 billion ringgit. Uh, does this include the 77.7 billion ringgit that uh, Tunku Zafro mentioned for targeted subsidies or is this in addition to it? I so. Think- I think we will need the minister to come and explain this. So, what is our total targeted subsidy bill? How much is the government actually paying out in different forms of subsidies? Is it ninety nine point seven? Sorry, seven. Sorry, ninety seven point seven billion, or is it? This is included in the 77.7 billion. Please, someone help shed some light on this. I, I'm not certain. Uh, but that's all the local news we have for you. Up next is, of course, the 7 a.m. news bulletin. And to take us out is Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.